Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is the Lois J. Wetzel Show, and I'm your host and executive producer, Lois Wetzel, coming to you live this morning from 9 a.m. Houston, Texas, Central Time. I want to remind you to register for Blog Talk Radio. It's free, and if you do that, you can rate my show, mark it as a favorite, and let people know that you were here and listening to my show. You can get reminders of upcoming shows. It's all free. My call-in number is 347-945-5309. You can call using the telephone or Skype. You can listen on your phone or your computer. If you're calling in and you want to ask a question, just hit the number 1 and I'll know that you would like to ask a question. I also want to remind you that I offer a free email newsletter about metaphysics spirituality, the coming changes, all the kinds of things we talk about here on this show. I've been sending this newsletter out for about 12 years, and to sign up for that, you would go to my website, hotpinklotus.com. I do not share email addresses with anyone because your privacy is important. Well, good morning. It's Friday, September the 9th, 2011, and I'm in Houston, Texas. It's 9 a.m. Central Time, and Texas is on fire. We've got had a drought, and we've got such bad wildfires that even in Houston, Texas, I can smell it burning from 35, 40 miles away. So that's where I'm coming from today, and I thought it would be very interesting and um, educational, and this is an educational show. I'm not here to uh, do free readings for people. I feel like people who are trying to build up their readings practice, uh, that's a good thing for them to do. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to give free education to the public, and that is what I'm doing here. Um, I want to... uh, talk to you today about past lives. I've been doing past life readings from the Akashic Records for over 20 years. I was given this ability in a dream by the Archangel Gabriel in the mid-80s. And um, I've recently written a book called Akashic Records, Case Studies of Past Lives. And I want to read to you from that book today. The reason, you know, that I I do past life readings is because it heals people at the level of the soul. And it's not easy work, let me tell you, because I have to see these. I'm not hypnotizing people, and, and you're not reliving the experience. What's happening is that I'm seeing the experience and narrating it for you for a couple of reasons. One, because I think it's easier to get the lesson and get it all balanced if you don't have to, um, be re-traumatized. I don't think there's any reason to be re-traumatized. There are a lot of people that feel like, yes, that's the way it, it the only way you can heal. I don't agree. Um, because a lot of people will have emotional reactions just hearing about the past life. And it isn't until we know about something that w- that is repressed, and if it's from a past life, it's almost always repressed. 
I mean, occasionally you'll have a dream about a past life that you may or may not realize that that's what it is. But they're repressed for a lot of reasons. One reason is because many of us would go around trying to get even with people who've done things to us. Um, we spend our whole life, we waste a lifetime trying to get even with people, and that's, you know, that's a waste of a lifetime. So um, that's one of the reasons we don't remember all of them, because we've got things we wanted to accomplish in this lifetime, and we don't want to be distracted. However, knowing about some of them gradually can help us heal. I don't know how many of you listening have had the experience of uh, having psychotherapy, but if you do, you know that sometimes when you remember an incident that happened in childhood, when you remember it in therapy or in adulthood for one reason or another, certain things heal that you had no idea were connected to that particular incident that you chose to not remember that was traumatic in childhood. The same is true of past lives. If you have forgotten something because it's a past life, you, it's, most of us have forgotten most of our past lives, once you know about it, you can begin to heal. And things that you had absolutely no idea were connected um, heal and it could be something physical it could be emotional it could be a tendency to repeat certain patterns in your life in your relationships or in your career or in your home situation and it's not until we remember these past lives and see them from the vantage point of either being an adult if it happened when you were a child or when if you're a looking at a past life from the vantage point of being a completely different person and saying, oh, I see. I, I see why I drew that conclusion and, and I see why it doesn't make any sense and or where I could have drawn another conclusion. Um, and then it can begin to heal. And then I've more than once seen things that are seemingly unrelated to um, to anything at all heal physically. I mean, you don't know why you've been having neck pain or lower back pain for years and years and years. You don't know why you behave in a certain manner until you hear about a past life. And the the really cool thing about it is that most of the time, the person doing the reading, either me or people I've trained, don't know that about you. They don't know that this particular thing um, is, is one of your patterns or, or one of the things you love or one of the things you secretly always longed to do. Because sometimes when you get a past life reading, you're just getting confirmation that there's something you really wanted to do that you have absolutely no background, no experience in, but you've always wanted to do it, and then you find out you did it in a past life. So it would be easier to learn. You could always draw upon past life skills and abilities. And that's called mining the Akash, which is a phrase that uh, Cryon has come up with. Uh, Cryon is a uh, an extra-dimensional being uh, who has to do with the magnetic grid of the Earth and is channeled by Lee Carroll. And these are the people that introduced the concept of indigo children to us. So mining the Akash is not something I, I made up. It's something that came from ex- the extra-dimensional realm. So, um, as I said, I've been doing past life readings for people for 
over 20 years, and I still do that. That's not all I do. I do healing sessions as well, and I do readings, uh, consultations. But I do past life readings, and there's also an extra add-on of uh, life purpose. Some of that now comes right through with the past life reading, but some there are some things that you can also get from adding on a life purpose reading, which is rather short compared to the past life reading. But um, I'm going to read you some examples of uh, from the book of past life readings that I've done from the individual case studies. And um, again, the name of my book is Akashic Records, Case Studies of Past Lives, which you can buy either on uh, in paperback uh, from Amazon or Kindle and uh, in case you don't know, you don't have to have a Kindle to read books on Kindle. You can get a free download to your computer and read books off Kindle, and they're all much less expensive than the ones on, printed on paper. So if um, money is an issue, you might want to try that. So I'm going to read to you from uh, past life reading for Hannah Chapel. I explained to Hannah the reasons of why, the whys of past life readings and then began talking with Hannah about what she wants to get from the experience of opening the Akashic Records. Hannah wants to know what in the past might have contributed to the head injury she sustained in college and if a past life contributed to the inherited Meniere's disease she's had to live with, which is periodically so debilitating. And so this is written kind of like in a play, I say, Lois, and then I, I read what I said, and then Hannah, and I read what she said. So we go back and forth for a minute. Lois, do you have any particular questions about recurring patterns or certain persons in your life before I start? Hannah, I notice that I'm a very aggressive person. If that comes from somewhere else, I would like to know because that trait does not always work to my benefit. Lois, okay, we will see if that comes up. So if there's not a particular person in your lifetime right now that you like that you would like to know about, Hannah, Leah. Leah is about the only person. I've had a new man in my life recently, but he's still in the, uh, new enough that I am, and then her voice trails off. Lois, so new that you're not convinced it's worth checking into? Hannah, right. I would like to know about him, but I think I already know where it's going. I need to calm down and stop being quite so assertive. Lois, assertive is good. It's aggressive that's not good. Assertive is telling people what you want and stepping back and allowing them to decide what they're going to do about it. Hannah, Yes, and I'm definitely crossing the line into aggressive. Lois, aggressive is when you karate chop them when they do not give you what you want. Hannah, yeah, I'm not quite that aggressive, but I crossed the line past being assertive, so I need to calm down and see what he wants to do. Lois, in his own good time. Hannah, exactly. Lois, okay. I'm seeing you as a man. He's a minor. He works at a very large mining concern in North America, what is now the United States, but the location was one of the territories then. It was in the early 1800s. Your job is to handle the dynamite and do the blasting, and you're training somebody to help you out. The job you did was to tamp things uh, into a hole which had been drilled into rock. The tamping device was a metal pole. You are training this other man, and the charge accidentally goes off, and the metal pole sticks him in the head. Instinctively, you pulled the pole out. He could function, but he was never quite the same again. His personality was utterly different, and not for the better either. This is something that really bothered you, and it was not your fault. He was not following instructions, but you still felt responsible. 
So if you have a heavy-duty sense of responsibility for other people, such as they must not get hurt, or if you are overly concerned about how other people are doing things, this could be part of why. This feeling dogged you the rest of your life. You never got over it, and you didn't live much longer than that, maybe 10 years, into your early 40s maybe, but still you never got over these feelings. You worried yourself sick that people were going to get injured because you did not tell them enough or you did not watch them closely enough. It was something of a stark, sterile lifetime. I think the purpose of that lifetime was to learn some independence. Never finding time to get married, you just traveled around a lot, blowing things up, which you actually enjoyed. You were a one-of-a-kind guy who would take risks, and the purpose of that lifetime was to learn to be purely independent, and you did. Yet the accident with your trainee cast a pall over everything else you might have gleaned in terms of positive experience. This was not so much because of the accident as much as your reaction to it. Taking responsibility for something that was not your fault was an inappropriate reaction. This was because it was just so horrific to look at the guy with the metal pole sticking in his head and admit that you had no control control over anything. That was too scary, the realization that we do not control most of what happens. Hannah, I do overcompensate. I do definitely try to protect people. I'm extremely independent in this life, so it's definitely a carryover. Lois, well, you're finishing the task. Hannah, I probably hurt myself in some areas because I'm so independent. It took me a long time to understand and to ask for help. Lois, well, the guy who was helping you knew what was going on. You were training him to be your helper, and that is why you were afraid to ask for help now. You've carried a fear that bad things will happen to those who help you. Hannah, Yes, anytime anyone ever hurts themselves when they're trying to do something for me, I always feel horrible about it. Yeah, I can at last understand where that comes from, Lois. So you can let go of it now if you choose because it was not your fault. You can look at it from the perspective of this lifetime and say, well, he was not following directions. He got injured. It was not my fault. He was being careless and not listening. Your name was Harold in that lifetime, by the way. Hannah murmurs, okay. Sometimes the names come up and sometimes they do not. I pause waiting to see the next lifetime. I'm seeing you as a male in your teens. You're riding a sled in a snowy, mountainous region. I think it is what is now called Scandinavia. And I think you raced sleds in the wintertime for money. People are betting on you. These are the types of sleds that you sit in and ride down the hill. It's kind of like skiing where, depending on your skill, you might go faster than somebody else. You may also know how to make the sled smoother on the bottom or aerodynamically in sync with speed. You have some straps attached to the front of the sled and then going to your hands and then wrapped around your wrists. This way you can put pressure on the front of the sled with both feet. It's an interesting setup. The back is wide open and you're going amazingly fast down the hill and no one could beat you. I see that you are winning all this money and it's not amateur racing, it's professional sledding. It looks like it happened about three or 400 years ago. You were an inventor and had developed a super fast sled. I'm being told that it's in a museum somewhere, actually. The guardians of the Akashic Records and your guides want you to know that you have some important experiences as an inventor in your background. You completely redesigned sleds and changed sledding, which at the time was extremely significant. If you think about it, at that time, all they had were horses, really, no cars, and if they had a good sled that went faster, it was far easier to transport things. They would use a sled drawn behind a horse in snowy weather. 
You also created a company that made sleds, so you had done quite a bit of blacksmith work. You had four sons who also joined you in the business, and it became a really big, successful business, and it was successful for generations. You did some very important wealth-building things. Besides being an inventor, your guides additionally want you to know that you had some major accomplishments in being in business for yourself. Why you need to know that, I'm not sure, but you have those abilities to draw on should you want to. Do you have any questions about that lifetime? Hannah. I think it's also trying to explain my personality as part of what is coming through. I get a pretty good visual that it possibly explains some of the aggressiveness too. Lois, you are not to be beaten no matter what. Hannah, I can be extremely confident in my abilities too. I think it's helping to explain some of my personality. Now I better understand why I'm the way I am. Lois, I think you have a few lifetimes that have to do with conquering the wind. I don't know if that means anything to you or not. The sledding lifetime was about conquering wind drag as much as anything. I'm seeing another lifetime as quite a successful sailor. You were the captain of a big clipper ship, and you really knew how to trim the sails to make it go unusually fast. It amazed everybody who worked for you and everybody who ever hired you to move their goods from one continent to another. You just had a reputation for being able to outrun all the pirates. It looks like you were again into racing, only then you were carrying goods and made more money hauling materials. That was possible because you went faster than other sea captains did, and it did not take you as long to get there, so you could make more runs and more money. Something caught fire in the hold of your ship one day, and you were maybe in your late 40s when this happened. There was a wounded sailor caught underneath some wooden boxes, knocked over by a little explosion, which happened right after the fire first started. Nobody could get him out. Boldly claiming that you would not leave the ship until somebody got him out, you went down below and worked at freeing him yourself. Sending the others into the lifeboats, you stayed there toiling to free him. Eventually, you went down with the ship. The sad thing is you did not have to because no one could get him out. He begged you to go and leave him there, but you would not do it. So everybody got off the ship, and I guess the guides want you to see this because they want you to know that it was not necessary. Sometimes discretion is the better part of valor. In other words, you thought it was being honorable to die because nobody could get the guy out from under the boxes or crates, but it was not necessary. It was just wasteful of life. To think about it, there was no reason to die and leave all those men at sea and all those little dinghies without a leader. Your first mate took over, but... You were over the top with being responsible. You were thinking, if he cannot be pulled out of here, I am going down with the ship. Questions about that lifetime? Hannah, no, but again, I think it's totally in sync with who I am today. It explains a lot about my personality. I am still that guy. Lois, but now you know that there's a limit to that kind of taking responsibility, right? Hannah, yeah, there is. Lois. Those are quite a lot of lifetimes as men. Let's see what else is in here. I think you come from a soul group that really values independence. I'm seeing you as a woman, and you're from what is now called Russia. You adore dancing and are very athletic. You wear a lot of red and yellow together, wearing ruffled skirts and a hat that was sort of cylindrical with tassels which dangle. You traveled around the countryside for many years in a wagon. 
Selling was your primary moneymaker, and you sold or traded things like metal tools, and this was approximately five to 600 years ago. You also loved to entertain children. You had children of your own, but did not want anything to do with a husband. Children and dogs, these were your family, and you completely ran the show. There were a few people working for you. Erecting a a tent and a stage everywhere you went, you needed extra people and wagons. You lived in one of the wagons with your three kids and the dogs. You had four live births, but one child died in infancy. This was a little boy who was run over by a wagon. You'd asked one of the older girls to watch him, and she got distracted. A stinging bug flew into the wagon, and the older girl was trying to get it out of the wagon. The baby got excited and fell out and was crushed under the wagon's wheel. You did not have any more children after that. The pain was so horrific from that, you vowed never to have another child as long as you lived because it made you too vulnerable. And I'm wondering if some of that carried forward. Perhaps this is a vow you might now consider releasing. You still had three other children, and you were a really good mother. So again, in this lifetime, you were independent, traveled around entertaining people, trading tools to help them in their work while making them happy and giving relief to the drudgery of their lives. In addition to arranging the occasional dance, your people um, had a puppet show designed for the village children as part of the entertainment. All in all, it was a very pleasant lifetime except for losing the child, which cast a cloud over everything thereafter. You never even started to get over it. You have trouble letting go, apparently, when bad things happen. It is important to accept the lesson of moving on and letting the past go. I am seeing that you grieve far too long and too strongly. You hung on to the grief in that life in a way that was not healthy for you or your other children. They needed you, and you were not emotionally available any longer, although you fulfilled all the requirements of a good mother in every other way. Hannah. I need to learn to let go of grief. Lois, yes, grieve until it's done and then go on with your life. Do not stay stuck there. There is nothing glorious or honorable about wearing your losses on your sleeve. Hannah, yes, again, that is an issue of mine. Lois, what is the person's name you spoke of earlier? Laura? Hannah, Leah, her name is Leah. Lois pauses. I am seeing one life in Egypt where you two were lovers and she was a woman. Actually, I think she was a slave. Yes, and you were her owner, but you were also lovers. You were the male and she the female. It was painfully difficult because you wanted to marry her and have children with her. As it turned out, you had children with her anyway, but you were unable to marry her. It broke your heart that she could not be treated like everyone else's wife was treated. In fact, your family forced you to take a legal wife. You have some real affection for her in this lifetime as Leah, and that is why you get to be buddies and not have the stress of being lovers. So if you've had some heartache about her or have feelings that you really need to do right by her, it may be about that lifetime. I sense that you are, that you always make sure she's okay and that you need to feel you have to protect her and make sure nobody mistreats her. That is from the Egyptian lifetime. However, she's a big girl in this lifetime and can take care of herself, okay? Hannah, okay, got it. 
Logically, I know I don't need to protect her. She's 10 years older than I am and has a really good job. And what do I need to know about Drew? He's the guy I met three weeks ago, and it feels as if something definitely is going to happen, and, and I need to know. Lois, I saw some flashes that let me know that you've been with this person before, but I'm also hearing one of your guides. I think it's yours and not mine. That the mystery must unfold. To know too much too soon is not good. This is the end of Hannah's reading. Immediately, this comes from Lois's notes, which are at the end of, of each set of readings for each individual. Lois's notes. Immediately, Hannah's old head injury began to heal and was significantly better after this reading. She found that as soon as she got the money to begin having regular energy medicine sessions with me, um, which she had asked at the time, she said, I would love to have energy medicine sessions, but I just don't have the money. And I said, well, put your request out there into the universe and wait and see that money show up. And it did. The money just showed up magically after Hannah put it out there that she wanted money for energy medicine sessions. She experienced even more healing of the side effects of the head injury as well as her inherited central nervous system disorder of Meniere's. Her personality began to soften and she was much less aggressive in that masculine way. The relationship with Drew came and went quickly. There was karma to balance with him. She remains geographically distant from but friends with Leah and she no longer needs all these problems with her head now that she is aware of all the guilt she carried about the man who got the pole in his head while he was trying to help her. A few months later, Hannah met the perfect man who thinks she's the perfect woman, and as of this writing, they're still together. So that's an example of a full past life reading for one person. And as you see, there were a lot of things that came up about her that were issues she had that I had no way of knowing about. And so how does this happen? What happens is that um, when the client comes into the room, I put my hands on the back of their head after talking to them about past lives and, and how knowing about them can heal us. put my hands on the back of the head, and then I open their individual portals of, to the Akashic Records using symbols that were given to me by Archangel Gabriel. And then... While the client's eyes are closed and my eyes are closed, I begin to see like a movie in my head, and I narrate for the client. So this is how I see these things, and it is the the individual client's guides along with the guardians of the Akashic Records who decide which lifetime the person needs to hear about and the most or lifetimes. And they put them in order of, not chronologically, but order of importance. Like the most important one for Hannah to know about was the guy who got the pole in his head. And they decide it. Now, if a person asks to know about certain things, then we keep that in mind and ask the guides and the guardians of the Akashic Records if they will let us see those things. And usually they do. But there's also her guides or anyone's guides are so excited to have you getting a past life reading that they make sure that the ones you most need healing from are the ones that show up first.
and so this is why they are put in the order they're put in. And actually, there's no such thing as chronological order because there's actually no such thing as time. Time is an illusion, and Einstein told us this over 100 years ago. It's an illusion from uh, being on a spinning planet. It doesn't really exist. What's really true is that, and the physicists agree with this, all our lifetimes are existing at the same time. They're all simultaneous, and they're all interconnected. So anytime you heal something from one past life, you're affecting all your other lifetimes because it's healing to the soul who's created these lifetimes for the experience of learning and growth as a soul. And so I do this work because I want to help people's souls heal. I think it's very important work. It's what I was put on the planet to do. It's one of the things I was put on this planet to do and which I'll continue to do as long as I am able. And if you decide that you want to experience a past life reading, um, you can contact me via my website, hotpinklotus.com. And uh, all I need, if you want a reading at a distance, is a photograph of you. And uh, you can pay for the reading through PayPal. Or if you don't use PayPal, you can contact me with a credit card number. And then I record the session and send you a recording via email so you can listen to it more than once because it takes time to assimilate past lives. Some of these things you'll notice immediately and uh, you'll understand and and it'll make sense and you'll even have some shifts immediately. But usually it takes up to three months uh, to fully integrate the lessons from the lifetime and make those changes because to do too much at once would be overwhelming. And uh, I want to read you a, a testimonial that's at the back of the book from someone I did a, a past life reading for and how it affected her. This is from Becky, Hannah. And this is her testimonial. I knew Lois for a few years before asking for an Akashic Records reading. At the time, I'd transcribed and worked with her session materials, so I had a good understanding of how a session unfolded, and it didn't seem spooky or weird. I was incredibly curious as to what one of my stories might be, and I also wanted to mine my Akash, meaning that I wanted to know what skills I may have mastered in a past life so I could call forth those attributes to utilize in the now time. I'm a huge Cryon fan, and that idea intrigued me. After all, I was a master baker. If I were was a master baker in another life, then it could explain my unusual attraction to anything looking or tasting like cake. I'm also a student of the law of attraction, so I was wondering why these seemingly random goofballs and events just showed up in my life since I don't believe in coincidence. The only life that matters to me is the one I'm in, but this could actually be interesting. After receiving my distant session notes, I made time so I wouldn't be interrupted, and I listened intently. As I began, I came to realize that my guides had a different agenda for me. Instead of skills mastered in past lives, the first story explained a difficult situation I was currently experiencing, and I began to see it in a different light. I immediately felt an incredible relief and compassion for all involved. I know there was no way I would have consciously attracted this situation, but knowing the karmic ties made everything easier to understand. 
a seemingly random event wasn't really so random, and Lois had no way of knowing how deeply it rang true. The next life related to an unpleasant series of events from my 30s. I didn't know why it was coming up, because I felt it was ancient history and already healed. The parallels and connections offered were uncanny, but I set it aside and really felt nothing more than, I wonder what that was about. About a month later, while driving to an appointment, I actually had to pull into a parking lot and stop to catch my breath. It wasn't until later that evening that I made the connection to my Akashic Records reading. I could not believe the depth of emotion I felt as I saw myself feeling the confusion, disbelief, and unfairness of a situation that changed the course of my life. Instead of shame and secrecy I had felt so many years ago, I could finally see myself in a compassionate light simply caught in circumstances I didn't understand and doing the best I could at the time. I wasn't a victim and nothing was wrong. No shame, no victim, no mistake. It unfolded perfectly and it wasn't until that moment that I truly made peace with this experience. It was also as if time stopped and I just observed and then released and then forgave everyone completely, including me. And my guides didn't disappoint when it came to showing Lois a few snapshots of my interests and talents, some of which were not tapped in this lifetime, but knowing about my mastery once upon a time got my attention. A past life as an inventor and sculptor of functional art was evident in my current love of art, especially my connection to the annual event known as Burning Man, where utilitarian as well as whimsical sculpture and expression is the norm. I also quilt, which is another form of functional art that I shared with this past life. I experienced another life as an illustrator for the church who hired me to illustrate the beginning of a book's chapters with ornate letters and I love to mess around with calligraphy pens. And my lifetime as a playwright and actor explained my love of writing books and my dramatic approach to so many things. The surprising element in all of this is that some of the information resonated immediately and that I had aha realizations as she spoke and other information that seemed totally unrelated unfolded over time. I listened to my readings perhaps four times over six weeks, and each time another level of understanding and detail emerged. One relationship in particular became more compassionate and loving once I understood the underlying connection. This relationship continues to evolve, and profound is all I have to say about it at this time. Perhaps the biggest takeaway is the knowledge that things really aren't always what they seem. It'll be interesting to see how knowing about my previous talents and skills might show up now that I want to explore them. I also have questions about other issues in my life, but that's another subject for another time. So I'm going to check the chat, see if anybody's got questions. And if not, play some music. Okay, somebody asked if I were reading from the book, and yes, I was reading from the book. I read quite a bit from the book. So there don't seem to be other questions. It's impossible, of course, to read from the book and watch the chat at the same time, so I'm apologizing right now if I've failed to see one of your questions. Um, so if anyone has a question, go ahead and ask it now on the um, on the chat, and... I will watch that, um, and if there aren't any questions pretty soon, I'm just going to play music.
Okay, I'm going to play some music and then watch the chat and see if there are questions. And um, this is from Karunesh, and it's called Hearing You Now. Okay, someone's asking if Akashic is just about past life reading. No, not necessarily. It can be about your life purpose as well. Past lives and sometimes future lives show up. That's what your guides and guardians of the Akashic Records want you to know.
Okay, we've only got about two minutes left. If anyone has another question, I want to call in. The call-in number is 347-945-5309, and you can always call that number to listen to the show if you don't happen to have your computer with you and you want to listen on the phone, the call-in number. And if you are there and you have a comment or a question, you can raise your hand by touching the number one on your keypad, and that way I know somebody has something to say. Otherwise, I'll assume you're a listener. Okay. Now, my website, again, is hotpinklotus.com. My email address, lois at hotpinklotus.com. I'd love to hear from you. You can follow me on Facebook. Just type Lois. Wetzel, W-E-T-Z-E-L, into the search in function on Facebook. I also teach on Facebook. I talk too, but I'm not saying I have classes for pay. I'm saying I post things that are educational. One of my time is to teach, to help people expand and grow. And I also have a free email newsletter. If you go to hotpinklotus.com, you can sign up for the free newsletter. And um, I've been doing that for about 13 years, and I certainly don't share your information. I've also got some blogs that tell about things like my travels, and um, those can be accessed through the website too, as well as Facebook. Okay, thanks for listening today, and come see me next week, 9 a.m. Central Time, on Fridays. Have a fabulous weekend.